enterprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest states these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today is episode 200. Can you believe it? I certainly cannot. That's for sure. But I am very, very appreciative that there's an audience out there for these episodes. And I just can't thank you enough for listening. So what I want to do in this episode is touch on things that I learned throughout the last 100 episodes. I did a similar podcast at um, episode 100. And I feel like there's been a lot of growth for me personally since then. And I want to touch on some of those things and also identify people in my life, either, you know, from a podcasting and running perspective or outside of that, that influenced me in a couple of these areas. And while all of these things relate to running, they are not necessarily running specific. So, and these are in no particular order, but I do want to touch on one thing, which I know is very running specific for a lot of people, and that is goals. So I have been goal-driven many times in my life, specifically in regards to athletics. So I can't say I've been very goal-oriented in, uh, in, in my academic life when I was younger. That is certainly not true. I was definitely the kid who would do as little as possible to get basically at the passable level. Like, right, I was the kid who, if they got an A on the first test of the year, would then basically figure out, how little I could do to end up with a B or B plus by the end of the year. And that was a typical way that I approach things. However, that has not been the case with athletics. And a lot of my goals have been very, because I came from a, a ball sports background, uh, predominantly with basketball, both as a coach and as a player, my goals have predominantly been around improving so that I and my team can win. With that being the ultimate metric, um, you know, it's, it's a hard thing because, you know, as a team sport, if you're too, if you identify too much with individual pursuits or stats, that could come, um, basically at the, basically it could hurt the team overall. Um, obviously if you're improving your free throw percentage, that isn't a negative, but if you're saying, Hey, I want to score a certain amount of points that might ultimately make you a bad teammate or make your team less efficient and less likely to win. However, by focusing on winning, then there's also this, this paradigm where if you don't win, then you somehow have done something wrong or, you know, you are wrong in some way uh, or another. And that is a, I guess a way of looking at athletics that continues to be a challenge for me, which is tough because, you know, in the, in the world of running, you know, especially at my level, <laughs> there is no winning is not part of the equation. Even if I was going to race every day of my life, which I certainly do not, winning isn't part of the deal. Um, you know, it's almost kind of like for me, you know, I think about racing. My running relates to racing as my eating relates to like, Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner, right? Like I eat a lot and those meals while big play a very small part of that. Uh, however, I don't seem to take that approach with running. I put oftentimes way too much emphasis, mental and emotional emphasis, and sometimes even physical emphasis on the races when that is you know, not even close to um, the most important thing that I'm doing. Say I go for 300 runs a year. I might race three times. I mean, it's, it's exactly 1% of my running 
And yet it takes up the, you know, it can take up, I should say, the vast majority of my mental and emotional energy in regards to how I think about my running or how I put, how I analyze specific workouts or training runs under the guise of how does this connect to certain race day goals. And I cannot explain to you how much I am basically determined to end that cycle. And there's a lot of people who have been influential to me in this regard. I think the the biggest one, uh, biggest two, I should say, are uh, Megan and David Roach. Uh, they are not my coaches. My coach is James McCurdy, who I have a wonderful relationship with, um, not only um, from a professional standpoint, but is also a good friend of mine. But I love what Megan and Dave has done not only in terms of their writing, uh, their articles, their book, The Happy Runner, but the multiple podcasts they've been on and the way they've influenced their run- their own runners who have kind of spread this this gospel, so to speak, um, out into the world for them, where, hey, they are big time uh, into goal setting. But I think they approach goal setting in a way that's important also. They don't fixate on the goals themselves. It's kind of like, okay, we're going to cross the ocean. We want to get to, you know, say we're, you know, say we're going to take a boat. We're going to, you know, sail to Europe, right? Or we're going to go to Spain. Like, okay, that's the goal. All right. We know that now we can put it out of our mind and just think, what do we need to do today? Or what do we get to do today? I think it's a much better way of putting it. And that's a big thing for me, if for no other reason that lately I've been, you know, basically I've been in and out of running this whole year, I've been injured and I've had other things going on. Uh, I've been in therapy, which has also influenced my running or lack thereof. And it's one of those things where it's now become crystal clear over an extended period of time, but most recently a strong paradigm shift of, hey, as important as race day is because it's fun to test yourself and it's enjoyable it's also very important not to assign your self-worth or, and that's kind of an obvious statement, but it's more important not to assign, hey, I am a failure or not based on a race. My training has gone well or not because of a race and things, things of that nature. The race is not, and this is a word I use often on the podcast, a referendum on anything except for how well you did in that race. And oftentimes, as we all know, people who have run, is that you know what may have gone well or poorly in that race may not even be related to your fitness. It could all it could be how you handled the mental and emotional part of the race, how you were able to, you know, fight through discomfort or not fight through it in that case, or maybe there are certain things out of your control. Maybe your body just wasn't, didn't feel good on the day of the race, or there were weather conditions that were not optimal and didn't align with whatever goals you had set once and even years ahead of time, things of that nature. And I'm going on and on here because goals are at the foundation of a lot of things for a lot of people. And I think they can be very, very important in terms of setting the direction that you want to take in certain areas of your life. However, they cannot, specifically for me, be this end-all, be-all of how things are going. Because ultimately, not only will it make my running and my daily enjoyment less enjoyable, but it will also be counterproductive and has been so many times I've said on this podcast over and over again, I've never actually achieved a running goal, which... On one level, it's like, wow, man, that's, that, that's not, that's not ideal. But also it should, that shouldn't matter. 
And also, it, it hints to maybe some of these goals weren't the proper ones and or maybe once I set these goals by focusing on them too much, I was just squeezing so hard I wasn't allowing myself to improve the way I could. So going forward, I'm going to touch on this later in the year, you know, post-January 1st, what my goals will be. And part of that's also related to coming back from my ankle injury, which I got two months ago. Um, my goals are going to be very different than past years. So I'm excited about that. So this dovetails nicely into another thing that I think is something that I'm really trying to do a lot better job of. And I think I have not only in regards to my athletic life, but even more so as a parent is analysis without judgment. And I'm going to first talk about the running side. I think the big part here is you see workouts and say, okay, so I'm supposed to do six times 800 meters with say a quarter mile jog or two minute rest between each at roughly say 5k pace, right? This is a pretty standard workout that many people have done. Um, no matter what level of an athlete you are, you probably have done something similar to this, whether you're a 16 minute 5k runner or a 32 minute 5k runner. It's a very useful workout. So the workout here is inconsequential. The point is we've done Many of us have done these workouts. Say, okay, I want to run each 800 meters, and I'm just going to use run numbers, say three minutes per half mile, okay? And then during the workout, maybe we didn't hit a split. Maybe we, at the 100-meter mark of their 800-meter, you're not on pace. And all of a sudden, this analysis feeds into judgment of not simply how things are going in that moment, but also about you, or I should put this in my own terms, about me specifically. What does this mean for me? Oh, I'm not as fit as I need to be. Oh, things aren't progressing. Oh, and you get go down this, this domino effect or negative spiral of, okay, well, that means, you know, my upcoming race probably isn't going to go well. All right, but how can I be a failure at this? I work so hard. I spend so much time on this. And then all of a sudden, this cyclone of emotions is whirling inside of you and you're still trying to do a workout. And then, you know, to say nothing of the post-workout analysis, which can be even more destructive because you have all this time to think about it and lay judgment at your feet for your own personal failures, which are clear and obvious because you didn't hit a workout. So I say it with kind of disdain at that last moment because it's so funny now that I've you know spent more time reading um, interviews with elite runners and hearing podcasts with elite runners and doing my own podcast with elite runners where these folks who are at the top of the sport have the same issue with workouts as everybody else, right? I think the, the optimal one here was uh, after Ali Kiefer ran her most recent New York City Marathon where she actually crushed it. I think she ran 229, and it was, I think, the year before that. She ran 228, and she kind of put out her her training schedule out, you know, just basically published it. And not only what she did, but what the workouts were for those days, basically what her coach had called for. And there was like a number of days, a, sh a surprising number of days from my perspective, where like a, you know, a big workout didn't go well. And yeah, she either cut it or she wasn't close to her splits. And that was that. And it was so funny because I'm sitting there like this woman just had a great race. She's at the top of her sport. There's only maybe a handful of people who at that time were better than her in America in her chosen field. Right. Just the elite of the elite. And even she was having workouts 
on a not semi-regular basis, but it wasn't too infrequent where the workouts weren't going that great. And she ran really, really well. Again, this is not, I don't want to you know, diminish my first point here. The goal in having these races, the races are important, isn't it? And it's nice to really test yourself. But from a judging yourself perspective, in the moment, during workouts and things like that, we just need to ease up because not only are these false narratives, but again, they are counterproductive. And I think one thing that I've learned how to do a little bit better now, um, not only in running, but you know, even more so with uh, my parenting style, is understanding, okay, this is happening. It's an analyze what is happening. These are the, those, the, the, the things that are happening right now. I'll shift over to the parenting side, right? I got my kids are yelling at each other or I'm trying to get my daughter to go upstairs to get dressed in the morning, but she's staying, you know, kind of rooted in front of the TV and not listening to me. There have been moments in my life where I will, you know, either raise my voice or get very frustrated or both or hold on to this, um, hold on to this feeling of negativity and like what, you know, either a failing failure as a parent or my kids are a failure as kids, which is like heartbreaking to even say out loud, but you get in those frustrated moments again, because you're assigning judgment to what happened. And what I've gotten a lot better at as a parent is not doing that. All right. It doesn't mean I'm going to let my daughter stay in front of the TV all day and not get dressed for school and things like that, but I'm not going to allow this feeling of, okay, this didn't go the way I want to. And, and now I'm, I'm upset because now this is proof that, you know, she's not a good listener or I'm not a good parent. And now all of a sudden my emotions are rising up and I'm raising my voice. And then again, talk about counterproductive. Um, things are going well. I was supposed to say, okay, I got the remote, turn off the TV. And when you come back downstairs, you're not, you're gonna have to wait a little bit before you turn the TV on again because you weren't listening to the things I said. And then, brushing it aside, right? Just accepting what happened in the moment and then moving on. And that's the next thing is this idea of acceptance. And this is one thing where the person who I was doing therapy with was big on ACT therapy, which is, you know, basically really embracing the idea of acceptance. And at first I had a very hard time with this because I kind of viewed acceptance as this idea, this passive thought of kind of giving up, right? Of like, all right, if I just accept the negativity or the negative things in my life, what I'm saying is that it's okay for those things to happen, which I don't believe to be true. And I'm also in a sense giving up. And I'm also, especially as a parent, basically, you know, failing my kids, if I'm letting them see that certain behaviors, which I deem as unacceptable I've now, you know, basically changed my, th- changed my mind and I'm viewing them as acceptable. And this was kind of a semantic issue on my part of not fully embracing or understanding this ideal. The acceptance in this situation is okay. Again, just to, just to relay it back to this kind of this, this parenting example I just gave of, all right, my daughter's in front of the TV, not going upstairs to get dressed for school. The acceptance is okay. This happened. Okay. How does that make me feel as a parent? What are things that I can do? And then moving on and accepting that it happened and not continuing to fight against it after it happened. And that is something that I've had a lot of struggles with 
in terms of relaying negative moments in my life, constantly reliving them, having this sort of dialogue back and forth where I'm literally relitigating issues or sometimes even like future litigating issues that may come up in the future, which is hysterical uh, because oftentimes they don't. And then this cycle of negativity that happens after that as well. And the idea of accepting what is happening in our lives while also not assigning um, basically sort of like emotion or judgment to it and just saying, okay, this is what happened. All right. Well, how does that make me feel? Like what, what, what is my internal feelings around this physical, mental, and emotional? And then moving on. Like another one here is, you know, say, you know, I have a habit of overeating or binge eating or stopping at, um, you know, drive throughs and things like that. And again, accepting, okay, I'm, you know, you know, let's, let's just go back. Let's go to the, the feeling of, all right, I want to do this type moment. And we'll, we'll touch on habits and addiction in a second. Understanding this idea of, okay, this is how I feel. I want either I have a sweet tooth or I really want to like have this burger, but then kind of taking a deeper dive into, okay, what exactly is my body telling me? And at this moment, kind of separating my mind from my body in a sense of not being, you know, and I kind of view it as like how I'm looking at the two, the two entities, my mind or soul and my body. And instead of like my mind being a part of my body as like the, like the center of it, like the hub of a, of a bike wheel, I view it instead of as like this external actor in my mind viewing my body um, in a very meta perspective, because that way I'm able to analyze how am I feeling? Why am I feeling that way? And how strong exactly are these feelings? Oftentimes, they're not nearly as strong as we may feel. And oftentimes, I amplify these feelings either because of habit or certain, you know, my own little like mini addictions that I may have to certain things. Also, this works, you know, while training, right? We might be in a moment where we're doing a hard workout or a long run where we might be experiencing discomfort. And if our mind, if my mind is at the center of my physical body, it's almost if that discomfort has like this super highway to my mind and now it's it's one in the same. They're both feeling it concurrently, which kind of amplifies the overall menace of the uncomfortable feeling as opposed to kind of getting outside of myself and saying, yeah, I'm feeling discomfort. Well, where am I feeling discomfort? All right, well, my quads are a little sore and I'm a little tight. Um, I don't quite have the energy level I normally have. I'm breathing a little labored um, right now. And then just kind of experiencing, okay, what exactly am I feeling? Again, I'm not stopping. I'm doing this on the run, but really trying to hone exactly what I am and am not feeling. And oftentimes I'm not nearly as um, uncomfortable as I think I am. And this goes to the fact of we are capable of doing so much more than we assume that we are, assume that we can, which is why having, um, you know, a, a driven coach can be so useful because they can help us get to that next level that we might not view as possible. And I think we can also do that for ourselves when we can step outside of ourselves and really analyze exactly how we're feeling, not as not in a passive sense. And I think this was a, um, a false narrative I gave myself, this idea of acceptance as a, you know, a passive approach to myself and life. It's the exact opposite. Okay, accepting what is happening, not trying to deny that it's happening. 
right? Not trying to willpower my way through it necessarily in a sense. Saying, okay, this is how I'm feeling. Boom. I've accepted my current state. Okay. Well, what exactly does that mean? What exactly is happening? And how can I move forward to do the things that I want to do? And I think that's the other piece here, that this is not passive. This is the art of proactivity, really trying to engage in the moment of what is happening, not focusing on the past or the future, staying exactly into what we are in the moment, and then moving forward in the way that we want to, again, without judgment, right? If like you're dying on a run, and you're like, I need to slow down here. And, you know, I think that if I slow down, then I'll be able to, you know, kind of reestablish myself and maybe I'll speed up in a little bit. Great, but I'm not going to even think past that. I'm going to think about right now, I need to slow down a bit because I need to get to this, you know, certain feeling that is very important either for this workout or for this race that I know I'll be able to sustain myself. So that's another big thing that has affected me, not only from a running and athletic perspective, but also in terms of my life. And now this other kind of dives into addiction and habits. Habits can be a really positive thing, um, especially if the habits kind of are aligned strongly with our goals and the things that we want to achieve in our life. Uh, the negative part is we don't want to be too much on autopilot because we also want to experience what we're going through on a day-to-day basis. And I think that that's one thing where it's a constant push-pull. Again, like there was a time in my life where I would never be as, I guess, intentional with my mornings as I am now. As a parent, as someone who works out in the morning, I'm very intentional. I get up at 4.30. I'm out of the door by 5. I'm back in the door by 6. I'm walking the dog. I'm helping my, you know, and I'm showering. I'm getting dressed. 6.30 comes. I'm helping my kids with their breakfast and making sure that, you know, they're not, you know, at each other's throats. And at 7 o'clock, you know, get them dressed and then so on and so forth, right? You We all have these morning routines. And I think having these habits is nice. However, being on autopilot, and in default mode through the habit is not ideal because that means you're also not experiencing what is happening. You're not being, and you're not able to find the joy in it. And you can be a slave to the habit of like, okay, it's seven o'clock. Oh, my daughter needs to get dressed right now. And then all of a sudden you're attaching judgment to, Hey, we're not on schedule. And this isn't the routine. This isn't the schedule. This isn't the habit that we built in. Okay, this is so we're off schedule, which is a bad thing. And now our emotions are rising. And, and we've already touched on this before. So establishing habits is good. Absolutely. But not being completely at the mercy of our habits in light of, you know, making sure that we're also mindful of the things that we're doing. And that's a word that I didn't want to use too much today. So I'm trying to bring it out occasionally. Um, you know, experiencing that mindfulness again, in a very proactive, positive way in terms of experience, understanding what we're experiencing and understanding how we want to experience them and making sure that we're never too far away from those ideals and that idea. And then from an addiction standpoint, again, we can be addicted to a lot of things. And this, you know, for me, it's not addiction with a capital A. I'm not experiencing alcohol or drug addiction or anything like that. And I'm grateful for that. But I think we all have many addictions um, that can feed into kind of our default mode and what we can get caught up doing, you know, whether that's, oh, I need to stop for, you know, we, we pass certain drive throughs so I'll speak to myself, certain drive throughs whether that's coffee or fast food or a sweet tooth we may have and things like that. And I think that's another thing where being mindful of how we're feeling. And then at that point, once we experience, okay, these are the, the these are the, not the symptoms, but 
you know, my mouth is watering. I can, you know, I, I want that. I, I have a craving for something sweet, so on and so forth. Oftentimes when we shine a light on that, it's not nearly as compelling or as large of a feeling as we assume in the moment, especially if we have a habit of giving into those, those cravings. And I think that once we get to that point, that's important. Also being mindful of how we feel after those, after the fact, right? So having this idea of, okay, yes, I do. I want to stop and get, you know, a, a Whopper with cheese. Yes. Well, how did I feel after I had a Whopper with cheese last time? Well, I, I really hated it. I didn't feel great. It certainly tasted good. I didn't like after the fact. And I remember after the fact feeling like I got to stop doing this. Well, then let's not do it in the first place. So being mindful of our actions and of our feelings can be really, really important. Um, and then ultimately viewing running as a tool for growth, um, in doing well and doing good for others. And I think for me, this is a big thing. That also goes back to the first point of how do you set your goals and what goals are important to you and what goals ultimately are being, going to be beneficial for you um, in the short term and long term. And I think this is a big thing for me is that, for, you know, running for me is not about the races. And for a long time, it was. For a long time, it was about PRs, right? I mean, I got, you know, friends who've, you know, who've started businesses, you know, run for PRs and things like that. And I love Victoria and I think she does great work. And I was 100% diehard into, yes, I want to achieve. I've said this many times. I've said, hey, I, I want to get into running because I felt like I left. I wasn't nearly the basketball player I thought I could be. And I want to now view running as, okay, I want to reach my potential. I don't know what my potential is, but I want to get there. And gosh darn it, I'm going to do everything I can to reach my potential in this sport. And there have been times where that sort of feeling and those thoughts have been very motivating. But many more times they have been demotivating or have just you know, provided me with a negative um view of myself, the, 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 my actions. Um, it, it really can dive into the comparison trap um, as well, as opposed to, you know, shining a light on others. And it's just, it's just so insidious for me. Again, I'm not going to say this to everybody. And I think that this ties into just my background in athletics, but thinking about PRs and my potential and goals like that, whatever my potential could be, that is just the, um, that is just a mindset that for me does absolutely no good. However, viewing running as a way of self-improvement in all areas, again, not the literal, you know, hitting the pavement one step in front of the other, but basically using running as a laboratory for mindset growth, for mindfulness, for learning how to be uncomfortable, for not judging, um, you know, putting negative judgments on being uncomfortable, not putting overly positive judgments on, hey, this went great, so I am great. And this is something that I just talked to Stephanie Flippin about on the on the Road to the Olympic Trials podcast. We're going to put it out, is dissociating the result of an activity from descriptions of yourself. So the race was a failure. I am a failure. No, those are not correlated. Um, the race was a success. I am a success. No, you were already a success. You're also a work in progress. And um, keeping this idea in mind, using running as a tool for good and for growth um, for ourselves and for others is something that I'm going to be, you know, reliant upon moving forward. Again, this doesn't mean that I don't want to improve. It doesn't mean that on race day, I'm not going to 
I'm going to work as hard as I can. And then that's part of it is that I think that this will allow me to do just that, but also not judging myself good or bad in in relation to how workouts are going. Again, workouts are going to go how they go and you want to do as well as you can in the moment and use all the tools at your disposal to do just that, but don't make it a judgment fest if you know, no matter the the overall outcome of a split race, workout, week, month, whatever. So those are the big things that I've taken from this year. These are the things that I want to move into next year with that are kind of at the forefront of my mind, not only as an athlete, but also as a, a parent and father and things like that. So I hope that you found this helpful. If it was nice for me, it was not, I wouldn't say cathartic, but it was nice to kind of have everything organized in a way that these are things that I've been thinking about for a while and really trying to grasp onto. And it was nice to kind of put them out in a somewhat, um, <laughs> um, uh, intelligible way and, and nice to kind of lay them out in, in a way that I feel like I can go back to. So thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Let's do another hundred. I really have such high, high hopes and big plans for not only the Rambling Runner podcast, the Road to Olympic Trial podcast, but also other initiatives in the future. Um, thank you so much for being a part of this. I cannot thank you enough. Have a great day and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of In Post Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest of states these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry. I got.